0: Hi, I'm Kenny. I'm the Technical Manager at CCA. You're listening to CCA Podcast on Sunny Govern Radio. We've got five guests lined up this month. Kitty Anderson from Lux Scotland explains their work with artist's moving image. Alison Gardner pops over from the GFT to preview the Glasgow Film Festival. Former CCA curator Ainsley Roddick calls in from Sky to talk about her new role at Atlas. And an exhibition that's coming up in the next month holding on to universes. Karen Anderson arrives from Independence, who are usually around on Mondays with their very, very popular classes. And finally, we talk to Sam Azirdat about the zine that has become a festival, Dardishi 2020. And my first guest today is a cultural tenant. Would
1: you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, I'm Kitty Anderson, I'm director of Lux Scotland. And can I just ask a little bit, what does Lux do? So Lux is a visual arts organisation, promoting, supporting, developing artists moving image practice in Scotland. That's great. And how did you get involved yourself? What's your background? I'm a curator. So I've been working in contemporary visual arts for about 20 years. And I was last working with the Common Guild, which is another Glasgow based organisation, just on the other side of this very busy
0: road. And now you're actually ensconced in the CCA, you're a cultural tenant here. What was
1: it about Lux
0: that attracted you to work
1: I am passionate about artist moving image, and it was a funny thing making the transition from the Common Guild to here, thinking about exactly what that was about, and actually thinking about it and realising that artist's movie image has been fundamental to everything I've been interested in over the last 20 odd years and weirdly that I've had a relationship with Lux during that time as well. So Lux itself is an organisation that was established in 2002 in London um, and I was studying in London at the time so um, I got to know the organisation then and stayed in touch with it over the last 20 years and then when the Lux Scotland was founded in 2014 I obviously was very interested so when this job became available I I jumped
0: (laughs) well a very very busy organisation I think the first thing is to ask what are you working on right now and then we can expand and look at the other things that you're
1: up to yeah we certainly are a very busy organisation my job at the moment seems to be trying to just slow things down a little bit but um, we're working on the Margaret Tate Award at the moment which is um, an award an annual award for artists moving image in Scotland it's a £15,000 commission and it's the, the film is premiered each year at the Glasgow Film Festival so we are currently Currently working with Jamie Crew, who is the recipient of the tenth award, and that will be premiered in March um, at the festival. And while that's going on in the background, we're busy selecting the recipient for the uh, 2021 award, um, and that shortlist has just been announced. And they are Amelia Beatriz, Solomon Malay, Kimberly O'Neill, and Hardeep Pandal.
0: I'm very pleased to hear Amelia on that list as a previous guest on the podcast. That yeah, came on, yeah. On one of our earliest episodes, so that, that's a great continuity. Great, great. The, the thing about the Margaret Tate Award, it has been established for some time at the as part of the Glasgow Film Festival. Yeah, and uh, you give a lot of support to, to the winner. Yeah, And you've got a contextualising films as well. That's
1: right. So yeah, as part of the festival, um, Jamie Crew will also be presenting um, a selection of um, mostly television programmes that have sort of supports supported uh, yeah the development of their work. So loosely based around the idea of uh, rural horror. So that's going to be an enjoyable evening here at CCA, in fact. And then that's right. Then the following evening will be the screening of their of their work. And then on Tuesday, the third of March, we're going to be premiering a work by Rory Pilgrim, who's a British artist based in Amsterdam. And that work, called The Undercurrent, won the Prix de Rome um, last wow. year. So that's okay. going to be a, a, a nice one. Is
0: that part of the film festival as well? Yeah.
1: So all three of those screenings will be part of the festival, and their are con- consecutive nights in March. Yeah. It, it seems
0: quite important there that, as an organisation supporting our artist moving image that you're part of what well, i'm going to say a mainstream film festival and i mean that in no disrespectful way to the glasgow film festival
1: yeah so we work with quite a lot of festivals around glasgow um introducing artist moving image um as a strand within their wider program so yeah we're working with the glasgow film festival the glasgow short film festival and uh, regularly we work with document africa in motion uh, squiff so yeah a lot of collaborations and a really nice opportunity to open up artist moving image to a wider audience
0: it does seem to be one of the general themes in the podcast that I talk to a lot of people who are presenting films in different formats document again previous guests take one action previous guests on the podcast yeah. so these are all things that are going on in Scotland and particularly in Glasgow and yeah. they were part of a, an energetic scene I think
1: yeah yeah I mean the festival scene in Scotland is uh, is amazing it's there's so much happening here and in fact there's so much happening here in this building at CCA um and it's been really fascinating being based here and just seeing quite how many festivals um come through so
0: yeah is, is the short film festival based in CCA or it's, it, comes
1: to CCA? it yeah it's, it's um, in many different venues so in fact this year we're going to be screening one work here at CCA and then um, another event will take place at Civic House mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's happening slightly um, later in March we're going to be working with the ICO who that's the Indes- independent cinema office um, who have co-commissioned some films with Lux in London um, and that's called Second Sight and there's four films by Ayo Akambad, Boss Collective Morgan acquaintance and Rahana Zaman um, and that the sort of program of films which is four new commissions will be introduced by Onyeke Igwe who's from the Boss Collective and then the following evening Judah Attil's Dreaming Rivers which is a film from 1988 will be screened and that's going to be here at CCA.
0: But the Civic House one isn't too far away however Inverness is a little bit further away yes. and, and you're going <laughs> to be screening up there as well.
1: Yeah so actually before any of these festivals um, we're going to be up in Inverness um, we work with Eden Court Cinema and have a by bim- monthly screening that takes place there so there's another opportunity to introduce artists moving image to a, a wider audience and that's going to be a really nice film that's um we're going to show rory rory pilgrim's film uh, software garden so you'll recognize rory's film uh, or rory's name at least and software garden was actually one of the highlights from the artist moving image festival which we organized in november uh, at tramway and that's a two-day festival amazing opportunity to see a, a lot of artists moving image and we thought rather than just have the festival here in glasgow available to the people here in the central belt we'd would take some of the films that further afield. Well the
0: AMIF is something that's been going on for a while. It's usually a tramway I think.
1: Yeah. That's right.
0: And it's this sort of jamboree of artist moving image films is it november every year is it an annual yeah event?
1: yeah so it's an annual event and um, last year's was organized by Emmy mccluskey kim o'neill and Imma bassi Ocon. and yeah we're currently in the process of working out who this year's programmer will be so november again which is november right. yeah
0: keep, keep a couple of days through the diary yeah, for that one yeah. and it, it is that opportunity to see the range of work that is done it's an incredible experience to be there but it's very intensive and there's lots of conversations going on and Everything's yeah it's happening in this two-day period
1: yeah yeah it's an amazing opportunity to see things but yeah you definitely got to mark those days out and not do anything else yeah, for the weekend Absolutely, yeah.
0: and that's very very true i found that i was exhausted but inspired by it when i went Good. There last time. <laughs> But you're, you're quite big on the collaboration, to say, going up to Inverness and working with Eden Court, obviously working with the Short Film Festival and the big the big film festival, let's call yeah. it in that. Uh, you've got a regular collaboration with the Glasgow Film. yeah? Yeah,
1: that's right. We've been working with um, GFT for several years now um, on a strand that was previously called Crossing the Line. Uh, we've made a few changes this year. So instead of taking place on a Sunday night, it's going to be on a Monday night, which um, is nice for people like me who don't really like leaving the house on a Sunday. Um, and we've also um, worked with gft to lower the ticket price so it'll be concessions for for everybody for that screening so it's actually a really nice ch- time to take a chance on some films and come out after work and and see what's on offer um that gft screening so we call it now luck scotland presents rather than crossing the line um, and that's going to be a really nice opportunity to to see um, programs that have been devised by um, artists and young curators across scotland
0: I, th- I think that's quite a good change of name because crossing the line is evocative but it's quite vague isn't it where Lux Scotland tells you yeah. exactly <laughs>
1: What's what, on the what you're going to get yeah. there.
0: And yeah. a, a Monday evening. And it's the kind of films that. One of the things about artists as moving image as a, a genre or a category, if you like, is that it is something that's out of the normal, but not necessarily crossing the line doesn't do justice to that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's maybe something I should have said previously about how we sort of. how we understand the term artist moving image generally because people do often ask us what what we actually mean by that and I mean we talk about it's this intersection between contemporary visual arts and the film sector and it could be experimental film or artist video there's so many different terms for it so yeah this is this is a chance for us to to open that up to a wider audience. We've
0: talked a lot, a little bit about uh, the, the way in which you engage with the public and you collaborate yeah. with organisations but you're also dedicated, part of your work is towards actual artists yeah. developing themselves, it's yeah. a super programme.
1: Yeah, it's actually a huge part of what we do is um, working with artists and curators and programmers to um, yeah develop their skills so we've got a range of workshops, talks, seminars that take place throughout the year we have regular advice sessions which is a one-to-one um, opportunity to speak to either ourselves or other people that we bring in and we're leading those in Glasgow here at CCA uh, every other month, and then at different sites around the country as well.
0: So you're quite dedicated to moving around as well. Yeah, in this lovely position here. (laughs) Obviously the CCA, but you go around the country.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're making yeah an effort to try and be everywhere as much as we can be, yeah.
0: The professional development is, a, is a, a very strong strand of what you do. The outreach is a very strong strand of what you do. Do you have an online aspect?
1: We do indeed, yeah. And we have a very nice website that um, gives you an oversight of everything that we do, all the various talks and events. Our website address is um, luxscotland.org.uk, And if you sign, scroll down to the bottom page and uh, sign up for our newsletters, then you can find out about everything Thing that we're doing across Sc- scotland or in glasgow and across scotland wonderful thank you so much for taking thank the you. time today thanks
0: for my next guest we move from a cultural tenant to a welcome visitor alissa gardner is the gft's program director and alongside alan hunter co-director of the glasgow film festival it's good to see you alison and thank you for coming along today can i begin by asking what do you do as co-director
2: alan and i are just the eye candy i think of the organization <laughs>
0: Okay, well, thank you very much for taking time to come and chat. Eye Candy, not always ideal for a podcast, I have to say. (laughs) It's grown over the years and it's got a variety of strands. Are there any particular strands that you'd point to to start off with as a good place to get a flavour of what the festival's about?
2: Well, um, for me, one of the most important ethos is cinema for all. So we try to have free events in the festival, two free events every day to ensure that people are able to attend. So this year our retrospective is uh, called Are We There Yet?, a retrospective of the future and it features such dystopian classics as uh, the original Planet of the Apes, the original Westworld, District 9, etc so there's lots of really great films in there we've thrown in stalker a bit of tarkovsky oh great that's always good
0: yeah always a popular choice
2: absolutely uh logan's run for Mm. example so those films are on every morning at 10 30 and they're free to everyone and there'll be different introductions around them around perhaps um young people about climate change for example around the day the earth caught fire um refugees around district nine so it's really just about putting context of our world um around these fantastic Mm. films
0: I think one of the most exciting things about the festival is it combines, I guess you might call it a high-end film festival with the the premieres and the red carpet and new films coming out, but also that sense of being located in Glasgow. It's very important that it's for the people of Glasgow as well.
2: We have a very, um, about half of our audience don't come from Glasgow, so only about half of our audience are from Glasgow and the surrounding areas. The rest are international, the rest of the UK and Scotland, and I think that speaks highly of the festival. It's very accessible. So, for example, you can't go to Cannes or Berlin and then go to public shows there because they're all industry accredited shows, but here you can come. Mm. What we've noticed over the years is lots of people have decided to take uh, 12 days holiday and come for the whole festival sometimes these are people who only came for Fright Fest but they realize how great the festival is and they now come for the whole 12 days and that commitment by quite a number of people is quite high and growing number because they bring their own tribes with them is something that I really think is a testament to the warmth of the staff at the festival the choice of films and its growing international reputation.
0: Now, you mentioned Fright Fest. That's that's been a strand that's been going on for quite a few years. Is it coming back this year?
2: It is coming back, bigger and better. There will be 11 films as part of the Fright Fest Pass, which is the Friday and Saturday, and then two films on the um, Thursday evening. The Thursday evening film, Synchronic, has been recut, especially for the festival, and the directors will be there. And I really like the film, and it's previous cut yep. version mm-hmm. so i'm really curious to see how they've tinkered mm-hmm. with it so there's lots of things there passes will already have been on sale by the time the podcast comes out and that's always a big ticket number because people mm-hmm. do like that for 75 pounds you get 11 films mm-hmm. and you get a tribe
0: i mean it's become a, a social event i think as much as a, a film event there's a, a huge energy around that now there's other things that you do pretty much every year you have a local hero strand yes, I believe. We do. can you tell me what that is
2: local heroes mm-hmm. is essentially uk and scottish um directors. What we're trying to do is support our local filmmakers from the UK. Mostly these are independent films, so there'll be things like Denmark, uh, Escape from Pretoria, Eternal Beauty. I think some of the films are, a lot of them are UK premieres. We're looking at Our Ladies, which had its premiere in London Film Festival, and it's coming up to to a Scottish audience, Mm -hmm. which may be more critical of it than a London audience, who knows? That's Mm -hmm. Michael caton Jones's film. So those sort of films are about our local uk industry if you like and our scottish industry how we support that and one of the key films i think for me as well is anthony baxter's flint which is in our stranger than fiction documentary section but is a local filmmaker he made you've been trumped for example and he's made this film about the the water Mm -hmm. poisoning in flint michigan so that was looking like a really interesting documentary Mm. as well
0: It's very exciting, actually, when you think about the the range of films that you go for. You have the populist ones and the retrospectives, but then you're moving into things like the documentary strange Stranger Than Fiction, and that's got a big presence again this year.
2: It has, yes. I mean, documentaries do very well. Um, Documentaries are really punching above their weight, I think, in cinemas generally. Mm. Um, I think people are really interested in what's happening in the world. They want to see... um, what's going on they want to 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 see different people's points of view and so documentaries work really well all year round at glasgow film theater and work especially well at the festival Mm -hmm. as well i think it's a it's a very strong strand
0: documentary film is one of the things that we get quite a lot of in glasgow with the various other festivals that come in so it does seem there's a slight shift in the way people are going to the cinema have you seen changes like that over the years that the festival's been on
2: yes i mean i think people um hopefully what we've done is um Encourage people to take a chance. I'm always saying go out with your comfort zone. Go and see something because like you mentioned there's a red carpet, there's the populist titles and that's great and a lot of the populist titles are free which is even better. So use that money that you have spent on coming to see Planet of the Apes and use it to go and see something really interesting in the pioneer strand first and second time directors or window in the world where you can walk in somebody else's shoes. Those strands are really important to me because a lot of those films are only coming in for the festival and they will never, ever be back in the UK mm. ever again. At the moment, I think we're sitting at 115 UK premieres, which is very high. Seven world premieres, I think, at the moment. So people are realizing that Glasgow's a great place to launch your film festival. There's been a move so um, for us that has been welcomed that films will be sometimes be at Sundance, then Berlin, then Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And then out in the cinemas in the uk if that's their pattern or sundance berlin glasgow and hopefully trying to pick up a uk distributor from that exposure of those three films january february and then into the late february period with glasgow film festival so that's been heartening Mm. i would encourage everybody to take a chance and pioneer these are first and second time directors our audience award and the only award we do is around those first and second time directors Because lots of other festivals, for example, Toronto, do things like an audience award around the galas. So La La Land wins or whatever. La La Land doesn't need Glasgow Film Festival's help. It really doesn't. But those films from the audience award really give Mm. it a great profile. Mm. And it's something as well where we um, punch above our weight in terms of representation around female directors. So last year, seven out of ten, I think were female directed films in the audience award and this year it's five out of ten so there's gender parity Mm -hmm. in the audience award for me where these things are important Mm -hmm. Uh, and obviously our opening and closing uh, films are both directed by women it's about shining a spotlight on these great films by women rather than tokenistically trying to shove films in or that doesn't feel right to me i think our audience are smart in glasgow i think they realize um if you're doing something that's not genuine or heartfelt or honest or authentic they realize that very very quickly so we try to look deeper for great films by women mm-hmm. and we have a great number of films by women but I'm not trying to match a quota because I feel that that's disingenuous yeah. both to the filmmakers and to the audience and um, mm-hmm. there's a high number there and where we can make a difference opening and closing audience award Um, We have a strand called Women Make Film. We have 14 hours of Mark Cousins' documentary in which every film in that 14 hours is directed by a woman. And we're making those available for £6.50. Each episode of Mark's documentary, and there's five in in total, is about three hours long. And so for £6.50, you can get the whole history of women making film, according to Mark Cousins, in that, that, that last weekend of the festival and supporting that is also we've chosen five films from the canon to support that as well so it's really about trying to be a little bit smarter a little bit more clever about how we shine a spotlight on those great films by women rather than for me personally filling a quota i'm not comfortable around filling quotas
0: Uh, usually there's uh, some very imaginative Locations that are used. Obviously, you're in the GFT, but you also come into the CCA. But there's other things. I think you might have mentioned something about the arches. Yes,
2: so we're having Neo Glasgow, which is essentially again, we're having a bit of a dystopian theme. I'm not sure if it's to do with current times or how we all felt in the office. We're looking at uh, we're taking uh, having an arches takeover. Neo Glasgow's the first weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, and we're doing total recall, mm-hmm. uh Tank Girl. Another film directed by a woman. They were doing Wally for kids, where you can uh, make your own cardboard robot, and um, then we're also doing Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love a good zombie film. I love, And I loved Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. And so we've also got, we're working with the Science Centre and we're talking about science fiction versus science fact. And so there's lots of things going on there. So it's a real takeover weekend. You can come along to platform, buy food. So we're working with the local businesses there to make sure their food is sustainable. So we're trying to do all those little things. Mm-hmm. I think all great movements come out of small steps. You have to try and make the small steps mm-hmm to have that grow and I think our audience are really behind us in um, trying to have a a sustainable future so we're trying to bring people's attention to this we're not preaching they're around great films and it's about having fun but also perhaps learning something new or finding something out or finding out where you can be proactive or you know which organisations you want to join that will make your life better those sort of things and these are all small steps and but wrapped in fun and great movies.
0: There's so many different ways of approaching the festival, but you're quite conscious in creating the strands. When when you look at the programme, it's easy to find your way through it. Are there any other strands that you'd perhaps point out at this stage and say, well, this is one that takes us in a certain direction?
2: I mean, Sound and Vision is a strand that's very, very, very strong because there's a huge um, roots-up Uh, Glasgow in terms of the music scene. So we're doing uh, a film, a rom-com called Romantic Comedy um, with a live uh, score by Summer Camp and that's going to be a really good event as well. Edith Bowman's coming back with her soundtracking event and she's going to be talking to Simon Bird and Stuart Murdoch who um, have been working on the Days of Bagnold Summer which we'll be screening in the festival as part of Local Heroes. So all those things are sort of chimed in together because obviously the soundtrack for Days of the Bagnold Summer was um, done by Bell and Sebastian, mm-hmm. so there's a nice tie in there. And that always works really well. There's some great documentaries in there, The Changing Times of Ike, Ike White. There's a, a really good documentary, which will be part of our audience award, which is Gay Chorus Deep South, which is essentially a gay um, a man's a gay man's choir from San Francisco who do a tour down south America where LGBT q rights are perhaps not as um, vociferous as they should be. Yes. It's a really good documentary, and that's part of our Audience Award as well. Mm -hmm. So we've chosen our Audience Award from a number of different strands as well, and so Sound and Vision is always very, very strong. Mm
0: -hmm. It's really something that I think um, the, the full range of things that happen across the... It's two weeks, isn't it? Twelve days. Twelve days, that's close enough. And and it begins with a bang and it ends with a bang as well, so it's got the traditional format, but within that, it's such a rich... Can I just check the dates, actually?
2: Yes, so it's 26th of February to the 8th of March. Um, Our closing day is uh, International Women's Day, and so either the films on that day will be directed by women or have women at the heart of their stories. Mm -hmm. So that's really nice for us um, in terms of that. It's something that we, we were keen to do. Again, we didn't want to be a hostage to Fortune and say, every film will be directed by a woman on that day Um, but a lot of the films that are in there will have um, stories about women so for example on that last day there's a great documentary which is in the sound and vision strand about billy holiday you know and that's a great film to have on international women's day so it's really really good so for me we're trying to signpost people to great movies that's really our job Mm -hmm. and then up to you to decide what you want to see but i always say this every year there's something for everyone in this festival. You can easily choose 10 films. You can come and see one a day, two a day. You will not be disappointed. Well, the full programme will be announced on the 29th of January. And then if you are lucky enough to be a cine card holder of Glasgow Film Theatre or you have bought a GFF membership, you have four days of priority booking. You should really get on that. (laughs) And then after that, on Monday, the 3rd of February, tickets are available for general sale and they're available at Glasgow Film Theatre website and you can just buy, buy, buy.
0: You're listening to the CCA podcast coming to you from Sunny Govan FM. Now it's time to fire up the Skype and catch up with someone who is a former CCA curator. Okay, I I guess my, my first question is going to have to be, are you... Are you missing the CCA at the moment?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I am I'm I'm missing them a lot it's really strange uh, not being there but it's also I'm kind of also in that mind frame of really enjoying the new place so it's
0: uh, yeah. So you've moved up to the islands now I believe is that right?
3: Yeah I'm up in the Isle of Skye so um, just started there at the start of December and kind of get embedded in a bit here and trying to Uh, meet lots of people and understand what's what's sort of urgent here and but I'm really enjoying it so far.
0: Mm. And is it a similar role to the one that you had at the CCA as a sort of curatorial role?
3: Uh, Yeah it's an artistic director role so in charge of Uh, organising the programme here and working with artists and kind of deciding on the the overall direction of the organisation and how it's connecting to Sky and the rest of the UK and how it's working internationally so it's similar but obviously um, it's a much smaller organisation and um, yeah it's nice to kind of be heading up and making decisions as well.
0: Well, I'm sorry to drag you back to your previous history work <laughs> as a curator of the CCA, but you do have something that you were involved in the curation of that's coming in February, from the 7th of February to the 22nd of March, Holding yep. On To Universes. Uh, beautiful title. Uh, can you tell me a bit about the artist, first of all? Yes,
3: yeah, so her name's Shuvani Shuna, and um, she lives in Cape Dorset, um, which is in the very north of Canada on an island called Baffin Island. Baffin Island, I think, is one of the fourth or fifth biggest islands in the world, um, and it's right up in the Arctic. Um, and that region or that uh, town is also known as Kingate, which is the indigenous name for that for that place. Um, and, and, and Nunavut is the region that she she lives in. And I went to visit her back in November, no October, and um, went over to Cape uh, Cape Dorset. It took me two days to get there and I um, managed to spend some time with her in the studio and um, get to know her a little bit and get to see her making some of the work.
0: Can I ask where the title came from? Because it's absolutely beautiful, Holding On To Universes.
3: Yeah it just came straight out the artist's mouth and um, it was just something that I, I was spent, I guess when I was spending some time in her studio I was just kind of asking her what her kind of favourite things were to make and to draw and she was speaking a little bit about the uh, animals and octopuses and and people and she sort of she said that or she just sort of described these work, uh, these animals, and and then she said holding on to universes, so octopuses and humans holding on to universes, and animals holding on to universes. And I, I guess a lot of the work that she makes is as she describes like so you might see in some of the, the images uh, you'll see like globes or lots of like globes mm-hmm. and uh, worlds, and the universes is the, the 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 name that she tends to use to de- to describe like that, like a globe or a world. So you'll see a lot of in the images and like tentacles or in women like giving birth to planets and that's what she describes as universes so a lot of her work is about this sort of the multiplicity of universes and multiplicity of seeing different worlds and the creatures in those worlds so yeah it, it was it was I, I paraphrase exactly from from a conversation with her.
0: What I know of Jennifer's work is that she tends to work well familiar in many ways in the kind of work that she does she's she works with sort of folk stories and, and it's They're very colourful as well in pencil drawings, which we don't always see pencil drawings in the CCA.
3: No, and I think that was kind of part of the, or one, I mean, not the main reason, but like, you know, sometimes it's really nice just to have, you know, we've had a lot of projects that are these kind of like social spaces and performance projects and projects that have worked over long periods of time and I guess, like, I I don't know, have that sort of approach to thinking about the space of the CCA, Mm -hmm. and and these are projects that I really love to to work on. And sometimes you just really want to show works that are just like drawings and paintings and objects that are just that make you think in a different way. And I think that was. What the, what the invitation to Shuvenai was really about, and she was someone whose work that I'd seen at, at, across various trips to Canada and to the north, and was someone that I just thought that a lot of artists here would connect with really well. But also because she has this really amazing imaginative way of drawing and seeing and envisioning the future and the past as well. So it is just nice to have a show that is framed drawings, or and, and there's something kind of very satisfying about that, I think.
0: Absolutely. There's something very interesting as well, because what one of the uh, supporting groups is the, the Baffin Eskimo Collective. And I, I know in Canada that they're, they're very concerned with engaging with First Nation artists and exploring that creativity on their own terms. Is that a big part of her work? Does she identify very much with that kind of ad- indigenous traditions within Canada?
3: Yeah I mean she's a fourth generation um, Inuit artist and um, her work is uh, really totally embedded in that community that that, that she's in and she draws a lot of images from that culture and um, traditions and crafts and uh, the way that like animal skins have been used, the way that her family or members of her family have hunted in the past and and how she lives there now and for me i think a lot of her work uh, in her work you can see the legacy of the colonialism in the arctic and and the the way the the legacy of the fur traders going in and the, the way that the economy there has been completely changed you know and you know the last sort of in um, even the last hundred years how much of that has changed there's a lot of that that's in her her work about the sort of the contemporary and the historical way um, that she, that her family has lived, and then she, oh, of course the, 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 kind of the way that she um, sees her connection to um, the world and animals and the weather and the, 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 the sort of the rest of the globe as, as well, and it's very much connected to, I guess, an, an Inuit tradition as well.
0: I, I was quite surprised to see the word Eskimo actually in the name of the cooperative because that, that Inuit is the word that I, I think, um, I'm become familiar with now. Yeah. And yeah and the idea of people exploring their community on their own terms, because the actual uh, collective itself seems to have quite an interesting working model that does seem to feed back to a lot of the conversations we've had in the CCA about how the communities create art, what's the relationship between artist and community, because as I understand it, the collective kind of pulls their resources and yeah, so so it's not about individual artists, it's about them as a group moving together.
3: Yeah, I think it's an interesting model because I mean, everything there is shared so it's you know when when I was there I was really interested to see like different kinds of economies happening so you go to the shop and there would be lots of the only way you can get fresh fruit and bread there is is to buy it but apart from that like food and hunting and everything is is you know it's it's a shared economy you can't go and buy meat it's something that people catch and then it's shared among the community and that there are the space that I went to visit the collective is It's a co-op, and the idea is that anyone can be an artist there. You just have to show up. You just have to be there from 10 o'clock till 5 Mm p.m. And if you show up, you make a piece of work. Every piece of work there is sold to the co-op. The co-op will will buy at the end of the day, or whenever you finish that piece of work, it's it's bought. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to um, the rest of Canada and it's sold to market, which is, I guess, another slightly more complex um, yeah. side, of, side of the coin. But and essentially what it means is that artists who are doing well, will the, the money from those works will sort of filter back and it can kind of support the collective, right. it can support the cooperative of artists who are maybe um, a bit younger or emerging and whose, whose work isn't um, selling on, on the market yet. So it's kind of this kind of interesting and complicated sort of relationship. But it it does mean that the artists can go in and get a wage every single day. They can get an advance, actually, if they're there um, pretty pretty regularly. They can get an advance at the end of the day as well. So it supports the community of artists. And I think it means that there's, I can't remember the statistic, it's either 10 or 20% of people in, I think it is 20% actually, 20% of the community are working in the arts and supported and paid a salary to work in the arts, so Mm. it's a kind of interesting model, I think, um, to discuss as part of the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you've got a couple of screenings as well as part of it. Um, Uh,
3: Yes, Um, so the screenings are, I can't remember the dates because I'm in Atlas land now, so I'm trying to remember remember the exact dates.
1: So
0: I've got those written down. So the Thursday, the 20th of February, it's one day in the life of Noah Plugatuk, and the 12th of March is The Fast Runner.
3: Yep. And The the Fast Runner is um, the first, I think the first feature film that was made by Asuma Collective, who's a group of um, artists. They've been a, a film collective uh, for the last 30 years. And um, the th- this is one of the sort of more, more famous films in um, that, uh, that they've made and what sort of got them well known. And uh, they're, they're a group of, of artists from um, Baffin Island who uh, make work about um, the sort of the future and um, the tradition, the traditional way of life as well. And the second film is a film that was just made last year and was um, shown at Venice Bean Alley in, in the Canadian Pavilion. And that was created by um, a group of curators, one of which uh, was, is Candice Hopkins and another... Um, a and um, a young curator. That's a brand new film, and, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to screening that as well um, at, at CCA. It's like it's kind of like sort of funny and um, sort of strange, um, uh, yeah, film about contemporary about that area and contemporary area.
0: Great. I think it's one of the things about the CCA, just as soon as I think I'm getting a handle on the kind of work that's going to come through the doors, something like this comes in that really takes it in an interesting and different direction to the work that I've been talking about for the last couple of months. It's a really exciting one. Will you get down to see it yourself?
3: Yes, I'll be down. I'm hoping to come down and and be there for the install um, and then come down for the preview, I hope, um, if, if I can. Um, But yeah, I'll I'll definitely be down to see some of the films and and see if there's... I'm hoping there might be another event that we're going to announce as well, but we'll see. But yeah, no, I'll definitely be down there for sure.
0: That's brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. It's been a real pleasure. It's really nice to talk to you again.
3: Yeah, thank you for speaking to me here. Yeah, it's it's really nice to be asked and (laughs) uh, I hope you're 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 all well. Hi, I'm Julie. I'm the Communications Manager at CCA. Thanks for listening to our podcast on Sunny Govan Community Radio.
0: And for my next guest today, I have somebody who
3: is a fairly familiar
0: face again around the CCA, mostly on Mondays, Karen from Independence. Karen, can you, well, first of all, can you tell me what is Independence?
4: Independence is an award-winning, inclusive dance company. We're based in Glasgow.
0: You're here on Mondays. What do you do here on Monday? mornings
4: so we have a core program of classes throughout the week and it just so happens that we start our week off at cce on a monday we have adult classes for disabled adults to access a dance activity the classes we have two classes on a monday in the morning and in the afternoon
0: we've been doing this for quite a long time as well how many years of that has been going for
4: well, I started Independence 23 years ago, well, 24 years in April. So it has been going a number of years. Literally started with me with a ghetto blaster and some tapes, and now 23, 24 years on, where you know we travel the world doing what we do. We provide classes across um, the Central Belt, but across the city, we provide 26 classes a week for children, young people, and adults. Who are disabled
0: What was the inspiration in those early years for you? Why did you decide that this is the area that you wanted to work in?
4: I suppose the connection came that I was working in social work um, As a day centre officer And I did always love dance myself I danced from most west of Scotland day uh, young Females, you know, we were sent to dance school in a I loved to dance, but dance was in my family. My parents danced, my grandparents danced as well. But it was more community dance that the family were involved in. So dance was really in my family and... I love doing it and when I went to work in social work I realised that people who had different abilities were excluded from um, mainstream dance classes because of their disabilities. Um, Either the teachers weren't able to work out how they could be part of the class or the physicality of the location would maybe exclude people as well so the dance class was on the third floor of a building with no lift so that totally excluded people so yeah so that that's really where that the seed came from you know starting dance within the day centre, dance session within the day centre that I worked, I had no idea what I was doing and but what what spurred me on was that actually the people that I was working with just loved music and and almost wanted to do their own style of dance So that was really where I think I needed to discover more about this style of dance And that's the journey that I went on
0: It's been an incredibly successful journey It's 24 years and there's classes all over the place And also at events and you can put shows on every so often Are you still doing that? Because I've seen quite a few of your works over the years
4: yeah well the, the company has evolved so it did start with just that basic thing of access to a dance activity for disabled people. It's grown and evolved over the years and as it's grown and the people within it have grown we've discovered that people wanted more from that so they wanted to perform. So we have three performance companies now. So we have a youth group with incredibly talented young people and um, we have an adult performance company that I would say is more of a community group. It has a range of people within that company and we have our small ensemble who are a professional touring independence four. that it's in itself is evolving now as well and the next piece that we'll do will include six dancers so it will no longer be independence four because there'll be
0: six dancers six. so they did a tour last year i believe about wellies
4: Yes, they did. So in May twenty sixteen I had a thought it came from something that I observed. So we have these classes at Tramway on a Thursday where very young children come to dance with a parent. It could be a male or a female, whoever is the is the carer that comes with them. The children they come and dance and after that class, directly after that class is an adult class for adults with disabilities. The day, I remember it clearly, sitting outside the class and watching these little people trot out and the adults trotting into the class because there's a sort of very tight crossover. And I noticed something. I noticed that the children didn't really pay much attention to the disabled adults going in. They weren't really curious about them, but obviously for weeks and weeks and weeks and years maybe they've been... Noticing these people that are different to them But actually what I thought to myself was When do you see difference? And that was the sort of seed of where The whole welly show came from So I decided what would be a really interesting thing to do Is to make a show specifically for a young age group that would have an inclusive cast within it. And we sought out a director who had a wealth of experience in that work because it wasn't something that we were experienced in. So we got a team of people, a director, a choreographer and a composer to make work with Independence 4 and they devised a show called Four Go Wild and Wellies. That show has been so successful and has toured the world now. Last year alone we were in um, Colombia. Uh, Japan. The show has been to Australia, Bangkok, Finland, and this year it goes on to New York and Canada and Sweden. It's just been incredibly successful. But to answer the question that I had is children don't notice difference at that age. They don't care. They don't notice. We asked questions of children, but what we have noticed that young disabled children themselves have pointed, have noticed themselves within the show. And that to me, it says we've got an incredible message to tell that if you are a disabled person then if you see yourself in that position in, in, in the world of performing arts then surely you can believe that you can be that person You know. so I think look, that's the message but I think the children get just lost in the whole fun of the show and don't really notice that there's two performers within the company that, that are disabled
0: artists Did those artists come through independence were they people you'd worked with before in the past? <coughs>
4: Both artists have came through the company, yes. Adam has uh, started in a youth company, then got an apprenticeship with us, then he got a post as dance artist, and then we supported him with his journey to be a choreographer, so he's actually made his own work.
0: You're really covering the inclusion of disabled artists right from their beginnings, you're training them up, you're given the opportunity, but you're also representing on stage, so there's something to show that this is for you as well. It's not just a case of... Patronising, shoving people in the corner Letting them get on with it You're putting it out there in in the world with...
4: Absolutely, yeah I mean, I think there's there's places for all people in community Within our organisation If you want to just come to class to have fun You can come to the CCA class on a Monday I think the beautiful thing about being in this building Is that disabled people can have a reason to come to this building Because it might seem like a building that's elitist People come here because they're coming to class. So, but the added thing of that, and it's the same for the the tramway, um, give people a reason to step over the threshold of an arts venue and make them feel that they belong here. And we absolutely feel that we belong here, that people can step over that threshold and explore the other possibilities within the building.
0: So you are at the CCA and tramway both associated with high art and you've done performances at Tramway as
4: well, haven't you? We have, yeah. We've done lots of performances at Tramway. We've been part of DIG, which is Dance International Glasgow. We've held our own festivals there but we've also um, produced our own shows and performed them in Tramway. It's an amazing venue.
0: Where else do you have classes?
4: The other spaces that we use are the Scottish Dance Teachers Alliance, which is over in the West End. We also use Scottish Ballet who gift us a space one day a week which is wonderful, but again, it's within Tramway. We use Tramway's own studio, too, on a Thursday. On a Friday, we've just started exploring the use of a new space, which is really interesting, in the south side of the city called Bike for Good, and we're just at the beginning of using that. We moved earlier in the year to... To, uh, no, two years ago to the Pierce Institute, so we use space there.
0: But it's not too difficult to find independence because you're online as well.
4: Yes, we are. Yeah, we are online and we have got a new website that's just about ready to go.
0: Okay, so the thing is to look for independence and that's
4: D-A-N-C-E at the end. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking today. It's a real pleasure. And I think it's one of the things about the CCA is on a Monday... And I think it adds something to the character of the place. You were saying about whether somewhere feels welcoming or not. And I think one of the things is it feels welcoming because of the energy that's around the events that you've had here.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that we add um, character the, to the building and, and, a, and a place where people feel that they can come in as well, um, because we have quite a diverse community that access our our classes, and it's exactly the same at the Tramway as well. I, I met someone on Monday... Um, from down south and they had happened to be in tramway on wednesday and thursday last week and he said i couldn't work out what, what was causing the buzz and then when i told him we have our dance Your socks off class there on a thursday morning he was like that's why it was so busy there was loads of parents here with little ones and yeah so we do bring something to a building absolutely
0: so and i believe that you have a festival coming up this year <laughs>
4: Absolutely, so we have our international inclusive dance festival It's called Gather Together And it will be at Tramway The 8th to the 11th of July There will be some fantastic headlining acts And people coming from all over the world To share knowledge and techniques And just discussions about the whole inclusive dance sector So please come along and look at our website and Facebook page to, To find out more about it
0: Totally, thank you so much again for coming in today
4: no, you're very welcome. Thank you.
3: Hey there, this is Rowan. I work in the communications team at CCA. I hope you enjoy our monthly podcast on Sunny
5: Gavin.
0: And my final guest today is presenting something that's going to be in February. But I'm going to ask you: Would you mind introducing yourself first of all?
5: Sure. My name is Samal Dat and um, I'm an independent curator based in Glasgow, and I direct Dodishi Festival.
0: Oh wow! So it's the Dardishi Festival that's coming to the CCA. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that? What is the Dishi Festival?
5: It's a festival of Arab and North African women's art. It's an annual one. It'll be on February 21st to 23rd, which is a weekend, and we'll be showing film, music, art, and theatre by Arab and North African women um, based in the UK.
0: How long has it been going on for?
5: Um, Well, Daradishy started as a zine back in 2015, and I founded it with my sister when I was at university. So it's... It's been going for quite a few years, but the festival itself, which was born out of the zine, um, has been running for two years now.
0: And what inspired you to approach this particular subject?
5: Um, Well, me and my sister are Arab women who are also British, and when we moved here um, to go to university, I think we felt very isolated and felt that the media, both British and Arab, wasn't really representing us or our friends or the people that we generally hung out with. So, starting the zine, which was online and free and accessible to all internationally, we wanted to be able to give a voice to ourselves (laughs) and those who hung out with us, and and provide a kind of representation that we felt like was more accurate and actually from our own voices.
0: Zines are something that are quite dynamic in Glasgow, in particular, at the moment with the Zine Library. I'm thinking, is it still available online? Can I find the old issues online? Still?
5: Yeah, it's all online, um, and we actually have all of our print issues at the Zine Library, so you can read them for free in a nice, warm space. Yeah.
0: What made you go for a zine in the first instance? What was it about that format that attracted you?
5: Well. I guess we'd been looking at kind of mainstream media forms like newspaper, radio, TV, and we had already been reading zines that our friends had been making, that we'd been making, and it was a cheap easily accessible way to self-publish and it just it just made sense
0: and they're online as well so you can look them up
5: yeah it was totally online at first because we were based in the middle east at the time and shipping and couriering there is a bit intense and unorganized so and we also didn't want to have to pay for shipping or printing so we we didn't have the funds we were we were teenagers uh, and students so made more sense to go online and we had all been kind of tinkering around with different online formats for a while at that point
0: And what kind of things have been there? Is it much visually or is it writing articles? What can I find when I go there?
5: Well, there's written articles that are kind of more of a traditional journalistic take, but then we also do have um, poetry that's published on there as well as illustrations. We even had um, a really popular um, video made. It was kind of like a video illustration about one of our writer's favorite Arab women DJs, and that's really lovely to watch.
0: Amazing stuff. So what made you decide to move from print from the page to the stage, we could say, to actually do a a festival of performances and films.
5: Well, I'd been trained um, at university as a curator. I studied art history for my undergraduate degree and then um, I moved on to the University of Edinburgh to do... art curation course and or masters and I really enjoyed it and that was going to be my profession and still is. Um, I work for Glasgow Zine Library incidentally as a programmer as well as the Scottish Queer International Film Festival otherwise known as Squiff and having worked on those programs for a while I thought hey I could I could do this too and Lauren and Helen who work at both organizations have been really supportive and really encourage women especially queer women of color to kind of go after what, what they want and do things DIY so yeah
0: there's something very exciting about doing this job in the CCA of making the podcast is that I start to see a kind of web that exists in Glasgow and the CCA being part of that and yeah. Squiff of course previous guests on the podcast as well and a very important event very new event relatively speaking as well that's really established itself over yeah. the last few years in Scotland as a an important part of the cinematic and also the queer performance stroke film program. So have you got some films coming as part of the festival?
5: Yeah, so um, I think our, our most popular program tends to be the film stuff. We're going to be collaborating with a few different organizations to put on the films. It's sponsored by Film Hub Scotland, which is really lovely. We've got a, a series of shorts about what it means to be queer and Arab and be based in the UK. And that's going to be run by Pride of Arabia, which are a group who are London-based, who run reading groups and club nights for queer Arab people in London. They've created their own... Uh, film series uh, as of recently and they'll be premiering it with us we're also going to have a series of shorts around the themes of home and community, we'll also have a retrospective of Larissa Sansour's work and she's a really incredible filmmaker um, who recently showed her work at the Venice Biennale she's Palestinian and the shorts are a kind of uh, sci-fi shorts program about the past, presents and futures of uh, Palestine and then another one which I'm really excited about is a feature film called *Air Blues and it's made by a Tunisian filmmaker and the screening is going to be followed by a panel which is going to be chaired by Bethany Lamont, who is a Syrian-British writer and the editor-of-chief and founder of Doll Hospital, which is an art and literature journal um, with a focus on mental health. So I'm really looking forward to that one too.
0: It's an amazing range of films that you've got coming up as well in terms of the topics that are being discussed. And the panels, will there be opportunities for people to talk about things? Because you're coming into the CCA... So it's kind of a bit of a takeover of the building, perhaps, in some ways.
5: Yeah, we're really, really lucky to have the CCA as a venue. They've been really, really supportive of us in the work that we do. And it is a lovely hub where people can have um, really fruitful discussions around um, different topics. I remember last year we had really good chats um, in the bars and the restaurant after. Um, and there will be opportunities for people to ask, you know, yeah
0: Do, do you think there's any barriers to people engaging with the festival
5: um there will always be barriers in the way but we're trying the best that we can to make the events as accessible as they can be so bsl interpreters will be available on request we'll also be captioning all of our films uh closed captioning them and all the tickets will be between zero and ten pounds you know pay what you can and no proof is needed in terms of your economic situation you just come up to the desk and hand over whatever you've got or don't hand over anything the point is that it's a community space where people can hopefully feel feel safe and welcome to talk about things that are sometimes difficult and to also share the joys of of being Arab and North African here Um, and amongst each other. We'll also be having a quiet space um, upstairs which will have noise cancelling headphones and colouring books and different sensory toys so people can have a break between events.
0: Apart from cinema what else have you got coming along to the festival?
5: So, we're going to have several theater uh, shows. Um, we'll also have on the opening night Rehab Azar, who is a really famous uh, Syrian rude player based in London, and she'll be opening uh, the festival on the Friday night with rude playing, and there'll also be a surprise opening act that we'll be revealing on the night. We'll also have several workshops, like a creative writing workshop, which I'm really excited about, mainly focused on dystopian futures in writing and the ways in which dystopian futures can sometimes be places where people of color can feel feel, um, I guess, unchained of their oppressions in many ways.
0: There's something very exciting about science fiction in that sense, that it it can be very liberating and it also can be very reflective of the cultures that people live in. I'm going to have to go back and say, can you tell me a little more about the theater events that are on?
5: uh sure we're gonna have a one woman show um by uh, rowan mccloskey and it's called my father the tantric masseur and it was a fringe award winning um sellout production and it's really really funny but also really really sad and i really hope that kind of people enjoy the the ups and downs of that. We've got another event which isn't necessarily um, theater but it is also maybe interesting to you because um, it's a podcasting workshop and it's going to be by Helena Rafi. It's a workshop where women can learn and develop skills in recording, editing, producing, branding, marketing um, and more with her. Uh, she works in the music industry within PR, music writing, blogging, digital marketing and she's a regular contributor of the BBC Radio Scotland shows. She's also a team leader with Scottish Women in Inventing music, and I'm just a really big fan of her. Um, So I'm really excited about her workshop.
0: Amazing stuff. Can people find out about the events online? Do you have a website for that?
5: Yeah, so you can find out about everything on deadadishi.com, and that's spelled D A R D I S H I. Um, And we've also got um, lots of social media channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter with the same name.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. And I'm really looking forward to the 21st to the 23rd of February in the CCA.
5: Thank you for having me.
0: And finally, thank you to Sunny Govan FM for broadcasting, Kenny for technical support, and the CCA comms team, Julie and Rowan, who made this all happen. And of course, thank you to my guests and thank you to the listeners. And this was the CCA podcast for February. I'm Gareth K. Vile, and we'll be back in 28 days.